Welcome to Men Alive, where we examine biblical principles for becoming conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. I'm your host, Paul Estabrooks. Our teacher is my longtime friend, Dr. Jim Cunningham, a consultant in adult education and director of Go Teach Global. Dr. Jim. Paul, we have taught in many countries where the predominant religion is a shame, honor culture. We have also taught in some areas where there's a fear-power-based culture. And then we come back home to our country of Canada that would be predominantly considered a guilt-innocent culture. Three different cultures. Hard to believe it all started in the Garden of Eden. I know it is. For example, when God created man and woman, he made them in his own image. And he was pleased with his creation. He did not tell them to wait a few years and then decide if they wanted to be a man or a woman or some other transgender variation of his image. No, we are told that after God made Adam and Eve, that he, God, would come to them in the garden where he had placed Adam and Eve and have intimate fellowship with them. They, Adam and Eve, actually got to walk with God and talk with God in the cool of the evening breezes. Wow. Imagine God meeting us, as it were, face to face. It's hard to even consider that honor. God gave them a free will so they would choose to obey him and his commands. He did not create them as genetically modified robots or puppets. Adam and Eve could reason and make decisions and be held morally accountable for their decisions. God gave them the power to make a choice. He placed two trees, one the tree of life, the other the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Eat from the one and live forever in innocence, or eat from the forbidden one, and this beautiful relationship will be broken by guilt. How long do you think Adam and Eve remained in the garden before they disobeyed? I have my own theory, Paul, but I cannot prove it from verses in the Bible. So I tried telling it to my wife, Rita, one time, and I said, Jesus is called the second Adam, the son of man. And he was tempted for 40 days in the wilderness and obeyed all the commands of God to resist the three temptations offered by Satan, food, recognition, and power. So in my theory, the first Adam was probably tested for 40 days in the garden where he had plenty of food, but he disobeyed. I said to Rita, what do you think of my theory? No comment. As husbands, we should remember the meaning of silence from our wife. In Canada, we say, when you're in a hole, stop digging. But I pushed again for an answer. How long do you think Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden before they sinned? Her wise answer, not long enough. The point of the Genesis story is that Adam and Eve did disobey God and ate of the forbidden fruit in the garden. This fruit came from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now they understood about good and evil. These new emotions invaded their innocence and became guilt, shame, and fear. First came guilt. The newfound knowledge aroused the negative feeling of guilt because they had broken God's commandment. Then came shame. Their disobedience also introduced shame to the world. After disobeying their creator, Adam and Eve covered themselves with fig leaves. They did not want to be seen. They were embarrassed. Before they sinned, Adam and Eve were both naked and felt no shame. 
but now they were naked and ashamed. When God walked about the garden, they hid for the first time. As disloyal children who had dishonored God, they lost honor themselves. And last came fear. Adam and Eve also felt fear after the fall. When Adam heard God's voice in the garden, the Bible says he was afraid. In essence, Adam and Eve experienced all three emotions right there in the garden. Guilt for disobeying God's commands, shame for being naked and made some covering out of leaves, fear for knowing the consequences, so trying to hide from God. There were consequences for disobedience. God sent them out of the garden, and they now had to work hard to survive. There was a constant struggle with temptations and resisting the desire to do wrong. You are listening to Men Alive with Dr. Jim Cunningham from Go Teach Global. At the end of the program, we'll share how and where you can ask your pressing questions to Dr. Jim or request a copy of the script of this program. Jim, I think our listeners might ask, where did this evil come from in the first place? We are told in God's Word, Isaiah 12, that a beautiful angel named Lucifer wanted to become like God, and along with a large host of other angels in heaven, he rebelled against God. As a result of this, God removed them out of heaven. In the Garden of Eden, Satan masqueraded as a beautiful serpent that cleverly deceived Eve and convinced her to eat of the forbidden fruit. This is recorded in Genesis 3. The serpent said that if she ate the fruit, she would not die, but her eyes would be opened, and she would be like God, knowing good and evil. So when she saw that the fruit was good to eat, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and gave some to her husband, and he ate. Their eyes were certainly open, but the knowledge changed their hearts and minds in a negative way. Satan had lied to them, and the wisdom that they were seeking turned out to be sin and death and loss of their special relationship to God. Life became challenging, and when they had their first two sons, the elder son, out of jealousy and anger, murdered his younger brother. How did things go bad so quickly? We read in Genesis 4, 6, and 7 that God spoke to Cain, the older brother, and asked him why he was angry, and then told him what to do in order to correct his behavior. God warned him that he must rule over the desire to do wrong. But we know that Cain did not take God's advice, and he let his anger grow until it went out of control and led to murder. One of the special gifts that God gave to us was the gift of choice. He allowed Adam and Eve to choose whether to eat or not to eat the forbidden fruit. Unfortunately, they were tempted and made the wrong choice. We also have this freedom to make choices. God loves us so much and he wants us to use this special gift wisely. Of course, he does not leave us to struggle on our own. God guides us through the scriptures. God is not caught by surprise when we make wrong decisions. He wants us to come to him for help. As soon as Adam and Eve sinned, God had a plan in place for mankind. They had to offer animal sacrifices to atone for their sins. This was only a temporary solution, and they had to repeatedly offer sacrifices. 
God's supreme plan was fulfilled through Jesus Christ, his son, our Messiah. He paid the ultimate price by dying for our sins. He lived a perfect life and became the perfect sacrificial lamb of God. He conquered death when he rose from the dead. In Ephesians 1, 7, it says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. So this removes our guilt and restores our innocence. Ephesians 1, 5, we are told, In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ. You are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. Ephesians 2.19. He removes shame and restores our honor. We are now part of the family of God. Just as God provided animal skins for Adam and Eve's nakedness, covering their shame, so has God provided his sacrifice of his only begotten son, Jesus of Nazareth, as the perfect substitutionary Passover lamb to remove our shame and restore our honor. Then Ephesians 6, 10, and 11 says, Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the devil's schemes. Jesus removes our fear and gives us his power to overcome Satan. When it comes to the future, we have the assurance of eternal life. John tells us in his gospel in chapter 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. No fear. He has given us the Holy Spirit to live within us. And greater is he that is within us than he that is outside of us. Jesus removes fear and gives us his power to overcome Satan. I love what Peter says in 1 Peter 2.9. You are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So, brothers, as chosen people by a holy God, we have had our guilt removed and declared in good standing with the Lord of heaven's armies. As royal priests serving a holy God, we have had all shame removed and given the honor of serving the Lord of heaven's armies as his intercessory agents here on earth to discern the will of God and intercede for the salvation of others. And as a holy nation, God's own possession, we have had all fear removed and given the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit to show others the goodness of God in our life for calling us from darkness and fear into a life filled with power to serve Christ until we see him face to face. Thanks, Jim. There you have it, men. Jesus can remove our guilt, our shame, and our fear. Dr. Jim shared with me that he's had contact with men in a variety of life roles. Many shared concerns, fears, frustrations, and challenges at accepting the common changes imposed by aging and the confusing changes within one's culture. Some felt so exhausted by the changes they just wanted everything to stop and return to normal. 
The shifting roles in the traditional family make it problematic for young men to find competent role models. Most, if not all, of men's life roles are learned from other males who become their model. It is his and my belief that the most significant male role model for any man is Jesus of Nazareth, Son of God. We also believe that the Bible teaches principles a man might apply in fulfilling his primary life roles. That's what makes men alive. For a printed copy of this program's teaching or with any questions you may have, email Dr. Jim. His address is God at gmail.com. Men Alive is a production of Go Teach Global. For more information, go to our website at www.goteachglobal.com. Until next time, I'm your host, Paul Estabrooks, on behalf of Dr. Jim Cunningham, encouraging you to be men alive, conformed to the image of Jesus Christ.